Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds podcast, we have a special guest joining us today. He is Chad Dotson. He is the showrunner over at the Riverfront. He created Red Leg Nation. He really started this whole business of podcasting about the Cincinnati Reds, and we're happy to have him on today. Chad, how are you doing, sir? Oh, great to be back. Good to talk to you guys again. Hope everyone's doing well. Excited to talk Reds. Doing great. You know, it's it does it blow your mind, Chad? Because I think about it and I I it blows my mind. 28 years now. We're at the 28 year mark of you and I doing some kind of red stuff in some kind of form with a little bit of overlap. And for for those that don't know, I've never told the story on this show, but um back I told it back when we were doing Reds Alert. Uh, you know, Chad and I were both on Bill Lack's email listserv that he was running in the mid nineties out of Miami university. Uh, I think you had just graduated high school. I was a senior in high school. Um, and from that, you know, all of these relationships were established. Uh, you know, Chris Welsh monitored that list for the conversation that was going on there. Greg Rhodes, the Reds historian was on that list. Uh, and it just, it spiraled to where almost any venture out there right now, that has any type of credibility that covers the reds can be traced back to, to bill lack in that email list. And it just, it really blows my mind that here we are 28 years later, still talking about the reds, still talking about the reds together. And it just, I, I never would have called it in a million years back then. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember uh, we were kids, <laughs> we were just kids and, uh, and, and people today may not understand what a listener is, but we, we talked about the reds all day and all night via email. <laughs> Yeah, all the messages, uh, you know, it's like a, a, a Reddit thread, but all through email. And yeah, a lot of a lot of great conversation. I learned a lot about baseball there. And, yeah, it did come to uh, – I met Steve there. I met uh, Chris Garber, who uh, he and I wrote the, the book together. And, uh, uh, read out of that, and, and now here we are. It's just – it's crazy, Steve. I, just, I don't even know how we got – I don't know how we got here. But, uh, but it's fun. It's the Reds. When I got to admit, I was about six, seven years old. I thought email was like something you got out of Microsoft Word or whatever it was on the computer back then. I was playing more Roller Coaster Tycoon than I was talking Reds. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, but I, I know this, Chad, coming into this offseason, this has got to be the most important offseason in the history of the Reds because where they are, where they've been, and what it looks like they could do with the core of this team, am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, oh yeah, you're wrong. Uh, obviously, um, this. No, um, I don't know if it's the most important offseason ever, but I'm telling you, it is. I think you're. I think you're not far from the mark. If it's not, it's an extremely important offseason, and um, it's one where the Reds have an opportunity to, to. It's it's a unique situation. We talk about all these years we've been talking about the Reds and watching the Reds, and we're all lifetime uh, lovers of of the Reds. I don't know that I remember a single offseason where uh, it was clear what they needed to upgrade. I think it's clear. Um, it's clear that they need to upgrade and they clearly have the resources to do it. And so, um, and that should be enough for excitement. And uh, I'm not that excited uh, for reasons, but um, it, it could be extremely exciting if, if they really lean heavily into, we uh, are going to, we're going to win this division next year. And, uh, and if they do that, and get creative in the offseason and really uh, spend some money and uh, spend some of their trade capital. This could be not just the most important offseason ever, but by far the most exciting offseason uh, of my lifetime anyway. And that's uh, that's that's fun to think about. I hope it happens. 
I yeah, stumbled cool. into a thought yesterday on the show, Chad, that has kind of stuck with me since it, it just you do a lot like of stumbling into thoughts. I did. I stumbled right into it. I even got the names right, which has been a problem for me this week. But you know, I was thinking just kind of out loud to Jeff while we were recording, and it made it into the show that for me, you know, the Reds where their payroll sits now, it's realistic to say that they could spend fifty million dollars this offseason and still be in the Castellini comfort zone because the team payroll would be below league average still, but it would give them an opportunity to address those glaring needs that need to be upgraded. And the thought that I stumbled into with that was that, you know, Bob Castellini doesn't have a whole lot of years left in order to fulfill that, that ego boost, that thing he wants to do, which is be on the field and get that world series trophy. So for me, just from a standpoint of it makes sense, it makes sense to me that the Castellinis would authorize a 40 to $50 million budget increase for Crawl to work with this offseason. Does that seem logical, reasonable, neighborhood appropriate for you, or do you think they won't spend that much money? I would say when it comes to the, the Castellinis and what they will and won't do, I, I'm not going to ever uh, default to the, to the side of them spending any money, frankly. I think you're not wrong. I, I think you're right. As a matter of fact, that even uh, fifty million dollars is still a you know ridiculously low uh, payroll, and even and, and much lower than the Castellanis have authorized in years past. Um, it's not like they've been the bottom of the league in, in payroll every year. There have been times when they've been around league average. Um, if the, if this team if they decided to spend to get the league average this year, Shohei Otani. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean they could get whoever they wanted almost. Um, so, but no, I don't think it's unreasonable to say 50 million would still be in that, whatever that comfort zone is. I think that that sort of dream of holding that trophy, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I think that that day has passed. I think Castellini has stepped away from Bob Castellini, stepped away from day-to-day uh, management and, and Phil doesn't care. I mean, I think that I, there's plenty of evidence of that both uh, publicly and privately that that's the case. Um, but, but to, to your point, if they spend $50 million, that's, that's a lot of money. Um, and there's a lot of money for this team to spend in one off season. It would be uh, as, as big a, 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 an investment into the club as we've, we've ever seen really in, in an off season. And they could address a lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of holes in this roster, really improve the team and still be a, you know, low budget team. <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting way to, to think about it um, because it's true. They have two players under contract right now. All right. right. You know, if we don't include King Griffey Jr. Um, Last year of his deferred yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not suiting up. He's not playing this year. <laughs> well, I don't know. There may be a spot for him if they don't sign some more guys, but um, <laughs> no, no, I, th I think you're right. I think you're right. And that, that's, that's sort of why I'm skeptical that they're going to do anything, but really, really excited about the opportunity, what they can do, because they don't have to, you know, it's not like they have to get to a league league average. They've done so good, quote unquote, a job of slashing payroll that just to align the the payroll to the resources is uh, that's still pretty significant. Uh, and so it could be extremely exciting. And my fingers are, are definitely crossed. So let's kind of dive into the shopping list because Steve and I differ on what the biggest need for this team is this offseason. We've talked about it a few times. I'm sure, we'll talk about it a few more times as the offseason goes along, but. When I look at this team, I, I say it needs a stable, good starting pitcher. And to be frank, I mean, I mean, a couple of guys that the Cardinals signed these last few days and Lance Lynn and 
Kyle Gibson were on the list, but they were definitely far down the list. So I don't think that the Reds like missed the boat or anything by not getting either one of those guys. But that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. What, what what's kind of your if, if if you would fill out a grocery shopping list for Nick Crawl to go out to Kroger with? Uh, what's he coming back with first and foremost? Uh, three starting pitchers. Okay. I, 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 you know, I want I want a number two, a number three, a number four. I I don't trust. I love some of the guys the Reds have, but you saw what happened this past year. Okay, the, the, the pitchers don't stay healthy. We need depth. And so uh, at least one, absolutely. I don't see how you can go into next season without one, and, and maybe uh, someone can explain it to me. But um, because, just because of – why why would you rely on any of these guys being healthy? Because none of them none of them have – now, if they're healthy, there's incredible talent here. We have, and, and even some depth if everyone's healthy. I've never been a lot – there's been one season in my lifetime where the Reds have been – pitchers have been healthy all season long. And so – I, I don't. I think. I think that's that's hoping uh, for a, for a good. Twenty twelve is never happening again. No. Exactly. <laughs> hope, hope is not a strategy, uh, as I say. So, I've um, heard that. No. But anyway, that's my thoughts. I think. I think starting pitching is by far, to me, the most important thing. So, and and I differ from Jeff, and now apparently you as well on this. And and don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't think the rotation would benefit from going out and signing a guy. But you know, the question that Jeff and I have been arguing about, or or, or disagreeing about, we don't argue, but. I feel like it is imperative to go out and sign two or three really good arms for the bullpen. This is a bullpen that you need every day. Starting pitchers don't go eight, nine innings anymore. It, that, that's a baseball past. The bullpen is valuable to this team every day. It needs to be upgraded. It needs to be improved. After that, I think they have to go get a power hitting right-handed bat for the outfield. That's need number two for me. If they meet those two needs and there's money left over that crawls allowed to spend, then sure, by all means, go get a starting pitcher. But if, if you're going to spend the money on a rotation piece, it needs to be a significant upgrade because right now they've got six guys vying for five spots. You add another guy to that mix and have seven starting pitchers vying for five spots. You assume somebody goes to the bullpen as a long man. That helps the bullpen. But the, the money you would need to spend to upgrade that rotation and in a meaningful way, you're right. They would need to get more than one for it to matter. But if you upgrade that bullpen that helps you every day and you get a right-handed power bat to help drive in runs and play in the outfield and, and solve some of the platoon problems out there that makes the reds better every day, starting pitcher helps you every fifth day and it doesn't address these glaring needs. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not saying I don't want a starting pitcher, but I don't think it should be priority number one. I think it falls at least third on the list of upgrades that need to be made. Well, I guess my uh, – I don't think you're wrong about uh, needing a right-handed uh, bat. Um, and I think you're, you're right. The Reds need uh, relievers as well. That's why they need to spend a lot of money and improve in a lot of areas this, this offseason. But I just – I see a team last year who – uh, offensively struggled down the stretch, so uh, that that's maybe a uh, an argument in Steve's favor on this. Uh, they need they needed more offense down the stretch, but also see this team. You know, uh, get if, if they if they follow that plan, we get to September and the Reds are in, in the mix, and they have guys uh, like uh, you know, um, who uh, Brett Kennedy Connor and, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Richardson right. or something. Carson Spears, uh, Connor Overton, the Levi Stouts of the world. 
starting uh, games in September. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, they, we don't, we're not expecting pitchers to go nine innings anymore, but you do need pitchers every five days that can go five. Um, and uh, so, I, I, I don't know, I, to me, if they could strengthen that uh, rotation, it makes the bullpen a little less uh, of a of, of a need in some ways. But you're going to have to get relievers too. I, I, I think they do have to right. improve this bullpen. I mean, that's absolutely my, on my wish list, but. I just I I watched that starting rotation down the stretch and they didn't even know who was going to start. They had, had had weeks where they didn't know who three of the starters were going to be. And you're starting Derek Law, and uh, you know having these uh, relief days. Oh, and I you got to get I, rid of the bullpen I, day. No more bullpen days. Favorite words. No, you lie, Jeffrey. No you got excited days. every time. No, every time they said bullpen day. Not way I, too I, much fry box. Way too much of the beverages. Yes. No. No more bullpen. Days. Look at the teams that were in the playoffs, though. They had reliable starting pitching, every single one of them, at least, uh, you know, three or four guys down the stretch that you could depend on. And the Reds are not, they have some talent, but they're not guaranteed to have that. And I, I just want to see some more depth so that in, in case injuries happen or bad performances happen, that the Reds are still in good position. If assuming they're in the, in the, in the race down the stretch. Texas is the perfect example. They went out and they got Jacob DeGrom last off season. And whenever he got hurt, they could have easily just said, well, look, we got DeGrom. I mean, what do you guys want? We try to improve our rotation, but instead of saying that they went out and they got Max Scherzer on top of that. Like you just need more and more starting pitching all the time. I always kind of fall back on that because that was something that Bronson Arroyo has told me before. He's just like, there is no such thing as a quarterback in baseball. That's like that kind of important to your team. But the closest is the pitcher because he touches the ball the most. And so you need to have good starting pitching, good stable starting pitching. And the Reds, I mean, I see, and and, and I mentioned, you know, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, not necessarily guys that were high up on a list, but they did something that a Red starter hasn't done in a long time. And they made more than 30 starts in a season and they've done it for multiple years. I want to see one of those guys in a Reds uniform next year, somebody that I can look at and I say, He's durable, he's healthy, and he's a good pitcher. And I know that. I don't hope that because I know that we that there's a lot of folks that are saying you cannot block these young guys in the rotation, but it's like, but we're still hoping on them. There's We're blocking potential. We're not blocking something that is a known commodity. No, I think I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I don't trust these young pitchers. I love them. I love mm -hmm. them. There's, there's, you know, six guys that I, I think the world of. You're gonna have to show me uh, first um, that you can stay healthy and that you can produce uh, at the big league level for a full season. So, uh, but that you know that that doesn't diminish the fact that they do need relievers. They do need that power bat. I mean, yes. that, that's I think that's the big point about this most important offseason ever is the Reds. Yeah, we joked about being a year ahead this year, but I, I think they, they fooled some people in terms of uh, how good they're actually going to be next year. They're still going to be relying on a bunch of kids that are in their second year. And a bunch of pitchers that are uh, unproven, largely, and they have real holes. I think all the holes we've identified right here are all. You can make an argument for the right-handed power bat, the relievers, or the starters as being the top priority. But they should all be priorities that if they want to be a legitimate playoff team next year, and that seems to be what uh, everyone. What I, that's what I want, as if that mattered. Um, they need to improve in all those areas, and so that's going to require some investment of uh, either prospect capital, trade uh, assets, or uh, actual. United States legal tender and uh, cash on the barrelhead. And so um, that's right. So it's going to be an interesting off season uh, one way or the other. I, I 
do we think they're going to go all in quote unquote? And I don't think, I don't see any evidence that they've ever done that in my lifetime. Um, but, uh, boy, if they did, I'm telling you, you talk about excitement in the queen city because it would be mm -hmm. unlike, it would be like, it'd be like we've seen with the Bengals in recent years. Just, I think that the, the Reds fans showed this year when they're fun and exciting and you're really trying, they weren't really trying this year, but, um, it's just fun. It's exciting. Got me back to the ballpark. Got me to lift my own, uh, ban on, Going to Great American Ballpark just because I had to. I wanted to see Ellie De La Cruz and uh, Joey Votto, rest in peace, uh, on the field together, which I didn't get to do. But uh, but anyway, so I think that's the point is that they do have a lot of holes here for a team that was still in the in the in the playoff mix very late in the season. So let me ask you both this, um, and you can go in either order that you want. If they don't do all three of those things, if they don't upgrade the bullpen at least by a couple arms, go get a bat and a starting pitcher is the off season a failure going into 2024. I'll let you take that one first. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> it's a, tough question. a failure to me. No. I mean, if, if they make any kind of progress on making additions, real additions to this team, not, uh, you know, wallpapering over, over problems like they've done in the past, you know, um, the the Luke Weaver types. We'll take a flyer on this guy, and then hopefully Lose Luke Weaver's number. Lose it, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they if they sign real pitchers, if they sign real players, not just guys that they're bringing in on a minor league contract or um, you know taking a chance on guys, I'm going to probably consider it a success, uh, even if they don't fill all the holes that I think they need to fill, because we've not seen that that really maybe once or twice uh, in the last uh, 25 years. So if they actually go and acquire real, actual major league baseball players. They don't do that in Cincinnati. And so I think that'll be a success. I, and so um, because I think it makes the team better and the team doesn't have to be that much better to still be in the playoff mix. Now it's going to be wild card again, maybe, but I don't know. I had some fun with the wild card race this year. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not downing that, but uh, I don't think I'd say it's a failure. Maybe Jeff, maybe you, maybe you think differently. All you need to do is make it in. You don't, I mean, if you're a wild card, if you're a division winner, I mean, it even kind of looked like it was a disadvantage to be a div division winner in the MLB playoffs. Um, I don't think it'll be a failure. It's just to what degree they address each position. I, I think they know that they've got to get some form of pitching, what that looks like. I'll, I'll be a little bit leery if all they do is what the Braves are doing with Reynaldo Lopez and signing a reliever that they try to stretch out into a starter. Like I know guys like Nick Martinez who are on the open market. There are some people that say that he could be a starter, but he was really good as a relief pitcher last year. So maybe you just kind of keep him as a, a swing man. If you, if you assign a guy like that, um, it, it, it's definitely dependent on how they address it because if they go out and they get a right-handed bat and then maybe they get a bullpen arm and then they get a, you know, major league minimum type starter, then probably looking at like a, a C for the off season, which I guess is still, I mean, C's get degrees. So I guess that's a passing <laughs> grade, but um, I, I think the interesting part for me is just what they do to address it. Like Chad said, because the first free agent that they were linked to was Jamer Candelario. And that doesn't do anything for me. So I don't want to see that happen. I, I, unless they are really looking at an upheaval, upheaval of trades for the infield or something like that. And um, I, I don't know that I would like that either. So I, I, I think that there is a degree to which it will be a success if they don't go out and check all the boxes. Cause like Chad said, that's, that's rare when it comes to this Reds team. And I think that I, uh, the, the part of this 
that I believe it will end up being a passing grade is because I think Nick Crawl has control of this. I don't think there's something that he's going to make a move and Phil's going to shut down. I think Phil, as, as much as we belabor what Phil, you know, does with this team or more aptly doesn't do with this team, I think he's given him a number and he said, just go do it, do the baseball thing. You take care of that. As long as you don't go over this number and we'll be good. And so with that, I, I still think there's going to be a measure of success to the season. Does that mean they're going to go out and get Shohei Otani, um, Blake Snell, and Josh Hader? Probably not. But there's going to be some form of that. <laughs> I think Chad hit on an important piece, which is legitimate baseball players, legitimate moves. It's one thing to say they need to sign a starter, a reliever, and an outfielder. Well, that could be re-signing Luis Sessa, re-signing Will Myers. He's a royal. And- and, and resign. I mean, you know what I mean? Then you say <laughs> I signed a, I signed a starter, a reliever and an outfielder. Right. but to right. Chad's point, legitimate baseball players, if they do two of those three things with legitimate ball players, I will consider the off season to have been a success. They don't have to do all three, but they two tells me they're serious about upgrading. And, you know, maybe that's not building a division winner, but it's building a playoff team. I think like you said, Chad, so I, I can look at an off season where they wouldn't sign legitimate relievers and an outfielder and be okay that there wasn't a starter or they go and sign a good starting pitcher and a couple bullpen arms and the outfield kind of stays the same. And I, and that would be progress. I would think. So I, I can look at it through that lens and not just say it's a total failure of the offseason if they don't do all three. But I'm going to need two of three with legitimate ball players in order to consider them making upgrades and them making forward progress, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair, but it also it leads to a point that I talk about and write about a lot, which is that I think we, we are three of the most hardcore Cincinnati Reds baseball fans that you will find anywhere. And we just said, eh, if they just try a little bit, I'll be I'll be satisfied with this offseason. That's the diminished expectations we have for this team. And frankly, I think that they know they don't have to go all in. Um, because if they just it, it, sign a couple guys, you can make the case to the inquirer beat writers that look, we're trying, and oh, we just missed out on some other guys, and they'll transcribe exactly whatever quotes you have. And um, and then then Joe Fan will be happy, show up to the ballpark, and still should be a relatively exciting team. Um we just need to get away from the idea that championships are the goal here. Um, the goal is to get people in the uh, butts in the seats with it, uh, with spending as little as you can do to get that, I think, is the goal going forward. I think that's everything that we've seen uh, from the organization makes me believe that. Um, and so it's just we, they've lowered expectations so much that now they don't have to do that much to make us happy. And I, I admit it. I'm a sucker. Just do a little bit. and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be excited. I'll, I'll be excited anyway. I'm excited every time the spring trainer rolls around. Same here. And speaking of excited, let's let's kind of talk about the guys who are on this team because obviously the offseason brings with it rumors and thoughts of who the Reds can go get and who they can add and new guys and you know Mr. Outside Hire coming in and fixing things. When it comes to the guys who are here, the Reds have quite a core in place of young players that are still unproven. There's still lots to learn about these guys, but I definitely see the the vision with most of these players on the team. I think for me, the biggest question, and this is something we'll discuss at length quite a bit throughout the off season, because that's really all we have is, you know, predictions and projections and things like this. But when you look at the guys on the team, from what we saw of them last season in varying sample sizes from Matt McClain to 
to Noel V. Marte, who did you see that you're like, I think this is going to continue. I think this is the kind of guy that he is and what we can expect from him moving forward. Yeah, there, there are six or seven guys you could make the argument for here with all the all the rookie talent that came up and showed uh, different levels of, of brilliance, but all showed flashes of being every single one of those rookies last year. Even Brandon Williamson, for what that's worth, you know, showed flashes of at least being a reliable big league starter, which uh, was a little bit of a surprise coming into the season. Uh, but I don't think I pick any of those rookies as my guy that's the most likely to improve or to take a big step forward. Um, and maybe this is just that I'm hoping this guy takes a big step forward. But my answer there is still a young guy, but not a rookie, and that's Hunter Green. I think uh, Hunter Green, before before the injury, was uh, one of the – his numbers didn't necessarily look, look at, but if you look at the advanced numbers, were amazing. Uh, among the uh, Certainly the best Reds pitcher by far. And he struggled when he came came back and the end of the season with not not pretty numbers, uh, you know, four point eight two uh, earned run average, but uh, uh, his ERA plus was close to league average, and he's going to be twenty four. We know he can do it. Health is a big part of it, but at some point, if it, it's a big if, but if Hunter Green stays healthy, at some point he's shown enough that he's going to put it all together. I, I firmly believe that. I've seen nothing that makes me think he's not going to put it together. And the, the guy has more talent than any pitcher I've ever seen in a Reds uniform. And so uh, that's the guy that I think's most, I think he's most likely to improve. He's 24. He will be in his, what, third uh, big league season, full season. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's time. And that that's who uh, that's who I'm most excited to watch, uh, even though I could say that again about a bunch of, bunch of other guys as well. But that's my thought. I, I, it's nice to see that you're allowed to talk about Hunter Green again. There was, there was a stretch of time there where uh, you weren't. <laughs> Here we go. Talk about Hunter Green. So I, I think it's great that, that you guys are back on speaking terms. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, yeah. and to, I think that's a great take. I, I think that you're right. He has shown us enough in bits and pieces and starts and stops that he has the ability to be that guy. I think the Reds see it. That's why they went ahead and bought out a couple of his, his arbitration years and added a year on the back end. They see it. You see it. I see it. Jeff sees it. We all see it. Uh, I think that's a great take. Uh, for me, since you took the great take of the pitcher, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a hitter's lane, and I think the guy that I would look at and say he showed us who he is. He's gonna continue right there, build upon it, be a guy for me. That's Matt McClain. I think he is gonna be just the 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 hard nose blue collar guy that drives this team a little bit. But for most improved. I'm going to jump over to Ellie De La Cruz because I think at every level that he's been at, he's taken a little bit of time and he's figured it out and he has gone off and shown us that he's a superstar. And I get and appreciate the fact that to make those adjustments and get to that space at the major league level may take him a little bit longer. He figured it out fairly quickly at each minor league level, but we're talking about the best of the best in the world playing baseball. So I fully expect him to come into 2024 having figured some things out and applying those to his game on the field and just going like we've seen him do at all the other levels. And he's definitely, yeah, if I can briefly just say that's a, a, an incredible take. I get so frustrated with people talking about how disappointed they were with this season. He's like, like they 12 know. years old. He's 12 right. years old, and he did things I've never seen. So, yes, he maybe he won't figure it out, but he showed me enough to make me believe that, uh, for, uh, like you said, he has done it at every other level. It's harder at the big league level. I get that. But, my goodness, when his uh, he doesn't even have to reach his ceiling to be one of the five best players in baseball. That's how that's how talented yeah. this kid is. So, 
I think you're right. I think he's definitely going to improve, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to, to hijack no, no, your show. And, and they they always you know they always do these different rankings in the off season, the MOB.com or the Athletic or something like that, and they'll they'll rank like biggest difference makers. And I don't know how they leave Ellie De La Cruz off that list this off season because he can literally do it in every facet of the game. If you're talking about hitting, running, fielding, throwing, all of it. He, he can make a play that just completely turns the game on its head. And I think that we're going to see more consistency in between those. The problem with him last season in his rookie year was that he would do that and then he would strike out a bunch. And then people thought they knew who he was based on the strikeouts, not based on the cool stuff. So I think that, you know, you've got to take both. And it's as, as Cincinnati sports fans, we're want to be like focused on the negative, but there is truly Lots to be excited about with him. Yeah, no, I know, right? I, I I can't believe I called it that. And that's why people always love to comment on our show because I'm not that person. I don't take the negative side of things. Uh, I, I'm, t I'm telling you who I'm most excited about is CES. I think that dude we, has got 40 homer potential. I think he's got, you know, cleanup hitter for the rest of his career type vibes to him. And I think that he's the kind of guy that if someone's going to be on base, he's going to make sure and bring him on over and in. I, he's got the kind of plate discipline that was frustrating to watch whenever he first came up because he was trying to understand how pitchers worked their stuff, how they moved around the zone and major in the major league level and all this other thing. But you could see the wheels turning every time he was in the batter's box and I'm just like, man, this dude is going to turn it on. And there toward the end of the season, he started a power streak that was just like, okay, this guy is who we thought he was in AAA. It's just it took him a minute to kind of download all the information. And as he moves into this first full season, because I believe he's going to break camp as the Reds' everyday first baseman, and he is going to be just such a huge force in the middle of this Reds lineup for years to come. And it's going to begin this next year because not only does he have the, the tools and the ability to hit, but he's got the mind. And we see that a lot with young guys is that they have the power, they have the, the bat speed and all this other stuff, but they don't have the plate discipline. He's got it all. And I think he's going to put it all together very quickly this next year. I, I would say that it's kind of amazing. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, Encarnacion Strand, uh, especially at the end of the season, uh, incredible and showed a lot of uh, potential after struggling a little bit when he first came up. But it, again, like Steve said, it's the, these are the best players in the world. The, the pitchers, they get paid. Uh, they all drive a Lexus or whatever too. Um, but, but we just talked, I think we all made good arguments for different players. I think if you were a, a baseball fan that didn't pay a whole lot of attention, but you just watched, you know, September and you would probably say Noel B. Marte is going to be the greatest player in the history of the world. And we didn't even mention him. So that's, that's what's exciting to me about this team is that there's so many guys you could make that argument for. Um, 16 you know, game hitting streak to end the year. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, hit 400 over his last uh, 20, I think. Um, or you could say Andrew Abbott, you know, I mean, you, there's so, <laughs> so many, that's why this team with just a little investment could be just the most fun team that uh, that we're likely ever to see, and uh, so uh, it's it's I, I'm trying not to, but I'm getting excited about the team in spite of myself. Let's uh and and we'll we'll acknowledge the the realist part of this where it's like yes, there's going to be some guys that don't take the step forward, but let's skip that. We don't have to talk yes, about which ones we we're going to pick on that. That's that's 
that's boring. Uh, let's let's move into this because it's it's Thanksgiving, and this team gave us one heck of a season. As annoying as it was that they missed out on the playoffs, so we thought that they were going to make it in there. But this was so much fun to watch, and like you said, they drew you back to the ballpark that you ended um, your own your own uh, boycott of going to Great American Ballpark because of how much fun this team was to watch and i think that there are lots of things to be thankful for as we go and everybody always does that at their you know your thanksgiving dinners what are you most thankful for well let's kind of do a, a reds version of that and uh let's let's start with that uh well steve i'll let you start uh what are you most thankful for with the reds you know i i'm most thankful that with the the fun exciting winning baseball or or at least you know above 500 baseball that came to town. It brought a lot of people like Chad back to the ballpark. It made it fun again to talk about this team uh, because of this team. Uh, you know, I get to do this. I get to talk about them and, and I get to meet all these people down at the ballpark. And I have just had such great experiences at great American ballpark last year, meeting people and talking about the reds and, and, and having that common, uh, that common thing that we love that we can talk about and wandering around the banks and, and, and just, you know, nothing but a good time and people stopping me down there to talk about the reds and, you know, those experiences, listen, that wasn't happening in the hundred loss season. I want you to know people were not stopping me to talk about the reds. That was not happening. So I am thankful for that being back. I'm thankful for that energy, for that vibe, for, for that camaraderie with people in the city of Cincinnati every time I'm in town. Uh, I, w I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really wouldn't. See, I thought you were going to pick 3-2-1 Tuesday, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, well, that's when we get in trouble. What are you talking about? <laughs> Chad, what, what comes to mind when you're the most thankful for with this Reds team? Well, you know, what I'm going to say, this is going to be a, a selfish response, but uh, you asked me, and what I'm most thankful for is that, you know, you guys uh, talk about the Reds uh, more often than I do, but still, you know, you, you're trying to produce a show every week and you have to talk about the team and they're coming off a 100 loss season. And literally we were, we were try, trying to figure out how are we even going to do this for another season? Because last season was so yeah. difficult. Yeah. And um, I mean, we've been... The first episode of our show was in 2007, which is ridiculous. Um, but um, but but they gave us something to talk about, and not just something to talk about, something mildly interesting, but something to get genuinely excited about. Something yeah. where we you, you look forward to talking about the Reds, and you're talking about the Reds a lot between uh, episodes of our show, you know, and and talking on Twitter, and uh, you know, talking with with you guys, and it just it was. Um, I'm thankful that we just had a team that was uh, fun, that was interesting. And uh, and you can also, they're not there yet. Hope is not a strategy for the the front office, but man, for fans, hope is where it's, where it's at. That's all right. we have. And you can look at this team and, and really sort of project your own dreams onto onto this uh, this uh, this roster and what you believe is going to happen. So, I'm thankful for hope, I guess, is that we finally have a little bit of hope in Cincinnati. It's been a long time since I had legitimate hope. Uh, sometimes I try to squint and say, well, if this happens, this happens, it could be okay. But but I'm thankful that uh, we're going to get our, our hearts crushed again because that's what happens to Cincinnati sports fans. I'm expecting that. But you know what? For a moment, for this particular moment in time, I have real, actual hope. And, and that's, a, that's a big deal. So that's what I'm thankful for. No, you're right. I mean, 
last offseason, the most hope that we had was, well, Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson are healthy again, so they'll be back in the lineup. Um, that's good. But now it's like we can pick a bunch of different things about you know what we have hope in. We have hope that all these guys are going to get better. We have hope that they're going to make moves and all this other stuff. I think I am most thankful for 50 West bringing their burgers to Great American Ballpark. That was an amazing idea. Um, maybe one of the biggest moves that the Reds made this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they are really good, though. Um, it was it was either going to be food or a Star Wars take, right? Those were going to be one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was a 50-50 shot that that's what you were going to come with. So <laughs> Something like that, yeah. But I'm glad that I'm glad that 50 West did that. Um, but I'm, I, I'll tell you this, and this is going to get some hate. But I'm thankful for David Bell because nobody keeps us talking more than the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. There's nobody that does as much crazy stuff when you talk about the bullpen moves, when you talk about the lineup moves, when you talk about all of the platooning. There are so many people that want platooning to be done. That is the way that things go in the major leagues now. But David Bell keeps us busy with what he does every single year. And it feels like, I don't know, maybe something happens down the road and this changes, but dude's kind of in a position where he's going to manage this team basically until he doesn't want to manage anymore. Like that, that's just kind of how it feels like right now. And I, I, I think that there is so much content to be had in the manager of the Cincinnati Reds that I'm so thankful for that. As somebody who creates daily content about the Reds, there's always something to be had with Mr. David Bell. I, wow. I, <laughs> I, I, I think you've left Chad and I both speechless and that is an accomplishment. Um, no comment. No, no comment. Yikes. Oh my gosh. I love that. This, that was so much fun. Um, but no, I am, I am, I'm so thankful. I mean, I'm thankful for the fact that this team caught up a million prospects in one year and all of them seem to pan out. Like that never happens. I mean, we we've seen enough of the Asher Wojciechowski's of the world and, and the, the Cody reeds and all of the, the Brandon and, and heck, I mean, now we can even put Nixon Zell on that list of just guys that were supposed to be awesome. And now we've seen something and hopefully they continue that, but man, that, that is so much fun that we have to look forward to because of those guys, because of a crazy season, that I mean, the Reds didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. It just kind of happened, and then they're like, "Whoa, oh, we got something here." Yeah, yeah. How did yeah. we get here? You know, uh, it's, it's but but we are here, and that's it's a it's a. You're looking for reasons to be optimistic, buddy. They're all over the place right now. You know, Chad. One of the things I, I wanted to talk with you about just while you're here um, is some of the stuff that you're up to nowadays, because I mean, you've been through quite a whirlwind in your professional career while still doing Reds content when you can. Are you still writing over at Cincinnati Magazine? Uh, obviously, you mentioned your book, uh, The Big 50. I'll, I won't try and do the voice, but The Big 50 that you wrote with Chris Garber. Uh, so I'm curious what else is in the pipeline? Is there another book coming? I still would love to get an audio version of the big 50 from you at some point in time. So it can be listened to while you're driving around or at the beach or whatnot. But what, what do you got going on? What's happening in the world of Chad? So well, I know everyone wants beach. to, everyone <laughs> wants to hear my ridiculous accent uh, in their car when they're driving. They may decide to drive off a bridge maybe, but uh, we'll, we'll look for it. We'll, we'll try to do an audio book this time around. We do have the, 
uh, Chris and I just put the finishing touches on uh, the second edition of the book. You know, we've sort of replaced some chapters, updated some things. And uh, so that's going to be hopefully coming out this spring, uh, the second uh, edition of The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been 10 seasons now with Cincinnati Magazine, and they let me write whatever I want to write. They don't care that the Reds sometimes get mad at me um, and at, at the magazine uh, because I just try to tell it as I you know, call it as I see it, and uh, and they give me that freedom. I presume I'll be back there. Um, but as as Steve mentioned, I got a new job recently. I've, I've had some got some professional demands outside of this red stuff that uh, are taking some priority right now, and I'm pretty busy. But um, but man, this would be the worst time ever for me to dip out of the the reds sphere, you know, of commenting because I uh, get yeah, we have some hope. So, uh, but yeah, go buy the book, please. <laughs> it's, available it's wherever good. fine books are sold mostly on amazon where people buy books from now but um, yeah I, um, I i've always enjoyed the book it's a great off-season read as well if you haven't checked it out go check out the big 50 and uh keep up the reds love all throughout the off-season uh, uh, oh, oh. i'm sure chad you see your book there right over jeff's shoulder right like it that's not just there for ah. you it's there. That book lives there. So that's uh, that's not just there for you. There's a single tear rolling down my cheek right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so, so happy. And I think that kind of plays. There, there's something, and we talked about this with the the Hall of Fame ballot coming out uh, yesterday or uh, two days ago on the podcast. Now, uh, wanted to kind of get your take on this because we were looking at the new guys, Beltre, Mauer. Um, Chase Utley that have a good shot to make it in our buddy that dude BP he's going to be on the ballot not necessarily sure how many votes he's going to garner but I I, I really kind of wonder about this because the way that Joe Maurer and Chase Utley's experience go on the ballot kind of feels like what Joey Votto might be able to expect here in about five years are you kind of feeling that too yeah no I think that's a great uh, a great comparison I mean, absolutely I mean you know um uh, Maurer, especially, uh, although not that there's it's a direct one to one comparison, but it kind of feels like Joey Votto's, you know, bright shining star. And then, you know, later in the career, you know, good sometimes, not so good other times. And, and Maurer hung on for a little bit after he was a catcher and uh, put up some numbers, but not, not great. But I think he's a clear Hall of Famer to me. Maurer is. Uh, I think Utley's a clear Hall of Famer to me. Uh, Joey Votto, no question. Um, so I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I think that's a great way to, to, to look at it. Um, it could be sort of a preview of what we're to expect uh, in six or seven years when uh, when Joey becomes eligible for the first time. Yeah, and I said five years, that's too early. <laughs> Do you think there's a different standard when you're looking at a guy that was predominantly a catcher when you're looking at Maurer? Uh, I've always used war kind of just as a, a quick quick look to see where a guy rates in baseball history. And for me, if you've got 60 or more in war, that's kind of where I look. You're a hall of famer. Um, and then if you're below the 60, then you need to have a conversation. Maurer comes in at 55. So given the fact that he was a catcher for 10 of his 15 seasons, uh, I, I tend to agree with you. He's a hall of famer. You know, there's a guy that I want to make the exception on. When you look at Utley, he's at 64, 65. Joey Votto's right in that same range right now, 63, 64 with probably still another season or two to go. Um, so I think it's clear on those guys. And I get frustrated when you see the people that make the decision 
poo poo some of these accomplishments and 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 are wishy washy and make the story about them. I'm, I'm in fact I'm I'm beginning a campaign where I think they should take the the vote away from the writers and find a better way to do this um, because I mean you're if you're a Hall of Famer on the day that you retire or 10 years from now you're a hall of famer and this whole well he's not a first ballot guy he's more like a third ballot guy i think that's just dumb so i i, I don't know how you what what do you use what in what's chad dotson's way of deciding is a guy a hall of famer or not oh it's just pure gut feeling i don't look at any stats come on all right no I, all right all right dusty <laughs> <laughs> i think the, the way you put it is is pretty good we look at the we look at the wins we ever placed we look at a lot of things um but i think that uh um to me, wins above replacement is a good starting point. But for a guy like Joe Maurer, I think you give him, uh, you bump him up because he was a catcher. I think you uh, give him a little credit for that. Yeah, I think you give Maurer and you give Votto a little bit of a bump because they won MVPs. At some point, they were the best player in their league. That's that's a big deal. Uh, rather than someone that was a really good player for a long time, which still could be a, a, a Hall of Famer. Adrian Beltre was never an MVP. But, you know, elite defensively and, uh, you know, all those home runs. I mean, he's clearly a Hall of Famer. Um, I think Joey Votto is a little bit of a better candidate than those two in this current era. And, and this could be me just wish casting because I love Joey Votto. I'm so uh, happy that we got to see him play every single day. But um, the fact that he led the league in on-base percentage so many years, I mean, he's, he's in the conversation with uh, the Ted Williamses. And the Barry Bonds, and, and those guys in in that uh, in that particular stat, which has some resonance for the current group of of voters, Hall of Fame voters. So uh, again, it's maybe me just just hoping, but I think he gets a little bit of a bump because of that as well. So I think yeah, you you look at uh, you look at uh, wins of a replacement. You look at that sort of like in the past they used to look at markers like 400 home, 300 home runs, 400 home runs, 500 home runs, or you know 2,500 hits, 3,000 hits to say here's a Hall of Famer, here's not. Um, I think uh, you know there are different numbers you look at, WAR, different things you look at now, but there's just so so many different things you can look at. I look at a, a you know if I if we're talking about Utley and Mauer, Utley had better uh, stats in in a lot of ways uh, across the board, uh, but Mauer's a better Hall of Fame candidate to me. And, you know, for the reasons we just said. And so I guess really what I'm saying is some of it is just my gut and my uh, ever expanding gut um, as to, <laughs> to who I think is uh, is is there and who's not. But I'm I'm sort of a big Hall of Fame guy in some ways. I think we need to be a little more expansive about who gets in. Um, but uh, but if I can just mention that dude, BP, he's not going to get in. But next year in about. 14, 15 months, it's going to be announced that he's uh, the uh, newest member of the uh, Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame and a very deserving member. And, uh, very deserving. Um, yep. And I had to mention that because I, I'm on my continuing crusade. I don't know why they don't have me on the uh, the, the Veterans Committee for the uh, Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. I'm seriously upset about it. I'm going to write about it more. You know, I think I might tonight go downstairs and write more about that because that's my that's my only goal here. Is I just want to be, I care more about that Reds Hall of Fame than any human on earth. But the Castellanos don't like me, so I probably won't get there. But uh, but I'm going to keep uh, banging that drum. You got to get Reggie Sanders in there. It's it's just, it's yes. well, well past time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's, that's my only, that's, yeah, that's my only goal. I want to get Reggie in and then I'll, I'll retire. Yeah, and I, I, I think the the other argument with Joe Maurer too is like he he spent multiple years of his career the best catcher clearly 
in the league. And if you can say that you were the best at your position for multiple years of your career, then you deserve to be in the hall of fame. But Joe Mara absolutely does. Adrian Beltre. I saw this stat the other day and I didn't realize it. Like there's only two third basemen that have more wins above replacement than he does in the history of baseball. And I'm like, Oh wow. First ballot hall of famer. Get that dude in like right away. Um, so I'm guessing he and Todd Helton both make it in at least this year. I'm not really sure who else makes it in because nobody else. I mean, Billy Wagner was at 68% last year. I don't know if he makes that jump. And I know that he's kind of in the weird, you know, relief pitcher category. How do you, how do you gauge a relief pitcher's career and things like that? But, um, yeah, I, I am looking forward to the day that Joseph Daniel Votto makes it in because I firmly believe it's going to be the moment he's on the ballot. And that day, we're going to be in Cooperstown, New York, recording a, a, a podcast, all of us together. Let's go and uh, celebrate. Oh, How yeah. about that? That's exactly right. what's going to happen. I am down in. with that. And that is where we will end today's podcast. Thanks, everybody, so much for checking out today's conversation with Chad Dotson and Steve and myself. Hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we will be back with you next week as we continue to look at how this Cincinnati Reds team will improve in the offseason. Thanks so much for joining us.